There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for ambitious women cultivating thriving careers. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. So let's get started. We are back with another episode. And in this episode, we have Dior Bediaco in the guest chair, founder of Pepper Your Talk and Fashions First, a members club for entry-level professionals, the Junior Network. In this episode, we really dig deep, discussing everything from the importance of delayed gratification, having a career strategy, to how we can network more effectively and build confidence and personal excellence. I really enjoyed recording this episode. So grab your pen and paper and let's go. So you are the founder of Pepper Your Talk and the Junior Network, which is a members club for entry level fashion professionals. Tell us about how you got into fashion. Um, so I've always been interested in fashion since I was very young. Um, in terms of how I got into it, I would say professionally, I studied it. So I studied, what did I study? Fashion and clothing, art and design, and then fashion promotion. Um, and then a month after I graduated, I got my first job, industry job at Burberry in the PR and marketing department. And um, it wasn't a conventional entry into the industry. So I actually worked at a Burberry sample cell. Um, and got chatting with like the head of security and then he put me in touch with someone in the press samples department and then she offered me an internship for four weeks I think it was a few weeks um, and then I got hired off the back of that so I've always known I wanted to be in the industry but my entry was unconventional and I didn't expect it which is nice yeah. lucky Okay, wow. So your your networking skills must have been A1. You went from security <laughs> to this person to that person. Like break down like some of the unconventional things that you did. Do you know what? I am not even going to like sit here and, and say it was everything I did and I deserved it because my actual plan. So I worked in Harvey Nichols 
um, the department store in London in the Burberry department as a temp. I did it every summer for like three years. And um, they asked, they asked me, like, I love that. I love the brand. It's the only company I wanted to work for. And the manager, like my temp manager asked me, do I want to work in a sample cell? And I took it as the perfect opportunity. So I was like, okay, this is my chance to kind of be in the big league. So the fact that security came up to me, like the head of security, and he was like, wow, you've had your head down all week. You've been working really hard. Um, that was just God. That was chance. That was not me at all, because what I should have done was handed in my CV, but I didn't. So, um, what held you back from handing in your CV? Confidence. It was definitely a confidence issue. Um, so I don't know. I guess like because I'd always studied fashion, I knew I had what it took to be in fashion. But then when you've only ever worked in retail, hadn't really interned, and then you're in the office essentially doing retail work in the sample cell, wearing like this Zara suit, which gives you zero personal style and identity. <laughs> and also not really understanding how to navigate in like a corporate space. So like I'd never been to such a huge office, seen these fabulous people walking up and down and actually quite busy going about their day-to-day business so I was like oh how do I just kind of jump in and introduce myself um so yeah it was definitely a confidence issue and there's so many like levels and factors um involved in that but ultimately it was it was confidence so what made you then decide to leave Burberry and build Peppy or Talk and ultimately the Junior Network um looking but I don't know people probably look back at my journey and like oh it makes so much sense yeah she studied fashion she went into the industry she left and now she's helping people but I it was honestly at the time it was quite it was very random it was very like oh I'll try this and see if it works so I was working in the press samples office at Burberry um which was the perfect place to start because you had access to the fabulous collections as well as everyone in the building who needed access to those collections. So I got to speak to people from every department every day. Um, But then I realized that that job didn't, I wasn't using my best skills and my talents and the things that came naturally to me. And I knew I had so much more to offer. And that was fine because like early doors jobs are not supposed to be the be all and end all. It's just like your first kind of taste of the industry. Um, But I really wasn't using any of my best skills and any of my soft skills, which I knew I had, but wasn't developing. It was weird. It was like, I know I'm better than this, but I don't actually know what I can do. Um, So I started thinking about what I really wanted to do, which I initially thought was press. Um, And then once I found out what press was, I was like, "Mm, nah, can't eat, sleep, live. Yeah, I can't eat, sleep, live a brand. I just can't. Like um, as much. And I love Burberry. I really loved it. But I just knew I couldn't do press. So the next, I thought I wanted to do, um, what is it? Brand partnership. Cause I was like, do you know what? What I love most about this brand is how they connect with music and artists and just so many other touch points of like the creative industries and just the wider world. So I was like, okay, I definitely want to look for a brand partnerships job. There wasn't like a built out brand partnerships department at Burberry. So I was like, okay, I'll leave. Um, start this other idea I have, which is to support young fashion talent and kind of build them up in their confidence and teach them what I've learned. Um, And whilst I'm building that company, I'll be looking for a brand partnerships job. Then I'll go back into full-time work and just have a side hustle. Um, And it kind of flipped on its head. So that what I thought would be my side hustle 
um, which was Peppa You Would Talk, became my full-time business. And then I never actually found a brand partnership job I loved. So I never applied for any jobs again. There are so many unwritten rules in the workplace. And I can imagine certainly the case for the fashion industry. And I think a lot of young professionals uh, and those aspiring to be enter the market and the industry very naive. So for you, having experience with graduates and entry level mm-hmm. professionals, what are some of the skills or key competence that employers are looking for for young professionals entering the fashion industry? Um, The first one, without a shadow of a doubt, is commercial awareness. And it's actually the number one skill that graduates lack because they don't have knowledge of the industry and how it really works. So the the commercial awareness in the sense of understanding how the business side of things run, um, understanding how companies make money, business models, um, factors that are currently affecting the industry, the economy, just the kind of yeah just the the the, the how the, the how the industry's run how it's working what's happening what's working what's not how can things be improved what what's the next wave those are the things that when you're young you don't really it's not about being young i guess it's about being inexperienced you don't really think about it because you don't know that that's what you should be thinking about um so it's definitely commercial awareness Another thing that I think young people trip over is the fact that they want to be so good that they forget to just be curious. They kind of just want to be like the best. And it's like, well, an employer, yeah, that's great. Aim for excellence always. But an employer is only looking for potential. Um, And your potential is more to do with who you are as a person and like your experiences and what you can bring to the table and how curious you are and how your mind works differently and less about like being kind of um the best person for the role being kind of traditionally smart or you know I, I, can't, I hope I'm making sense but it's um just about it's just about being you in the best way possible in a way that's intriguing and interesting and um a way that can be rolled into some type of professional packaging and <laughs> placed in a seat in a company I don't expect you to be perfect just yet because how are you supposed to have been perfect if you've never worked before absolutely I mean I've I've had uh, the opportunity to work with graduates and not having finished uni it's for me it's just an assumption that I've made seeing and working with so many over a period of time is that a lot of graduates come in and they expect to be the best ASAP like as soon as they come in they expect okay I'm going to be this 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 and it's almost like having to say, hey, look, there are, there are so many things that you don't know. The best thing that you can do is to come in with a willing attitude to learn, but also put a little bit of your flair on what you're doing. Like you do not have to be the person that does it exactly the same way that you saw it being done, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I agree. We've seen all this talk about millennials and Gen Z and all like all these different very, very different generations that are coming up because we have access to very different things like social media and technology and um, traveling more and just different uh, communities and what community means to people. So as a young person coming into a workplace, the chances are that the company is probably going to be trying to target your generation um, and you can really bring some unique insights to that role and really kind of give them first hand knowledge of like what your 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 community, what your generation's actually into, 
how you actually do things, how your brain actually works. Um, so it's, it's tough because you go into a job, like I say that when you're a graduate, you go into a company being the least experienced out of the most educated you've ever been in your whole life, but the least experienced out of everyone in the building. And it's such a tough space to navigate. And then you start a whole new system where you start from the bottom. And that is tough. You have worked your whole life, literally your whole life, from when you were like in nursery up until this point to get this degree. Like imposter syndrome among our generation is so big because we come into it like, okay, I know, I do know a lot. At the same time, I don't know a lot. And so we take the lack of experience or the fact that there is a lot that we don't know and we take it as a way to dampen what we do know. And that that confidence issue is so big among us for, you know, the members in your club. How have you helped them navigate this confidence issue? Uh, confidence is always, it's not always going to be an issue for people, but the higher you climb, the more life is going to require from you. So I always say, if you do feel like you have imposter syndrome, good, you're in a place that challenges you. And I think the smartest person in the world knows that the more they learn, the less they know. Sometimes I get a bit um, kind of back because like even today I have a call with my friend after this one and we're just speaking about like how we want to be better people in life, right? So we've individually written our list and we're going to compile it together and then create like um, a monthly schedule of things we must be doing every month. And when I look at some of these things that I have on my list, which I would say is that my better woman list, like just becoming the woman I want to be, I could have started these things such a long time ago, but because I knew I was starting from the most basic foundational level and I want to be really good at it, I kind of put it off completely because if I'm not good from day one, what's the point? And that's what a lot of us do. It's like <laughs> we either want to be the best or we do nothing at all. I think excellence is this thing that people, they get a little bit, I guess, confused about it because our ego, it's so easy for our ego to say, oh yeah, that's excellent you know because we've done it um but it's fully understanding what excellence looks like um and how you embody excellence as an individual what whoever's listening to this if you strive for excellence and you are one of those people who see yourself in a very i guess high high position in life you really know what you're going for and you know how much money you want and it's a lot of money you know what type of house you want and it's a big house and you really want everything that you want you want this really full rich life that a lot of people try to make you feel bad for um and because you're not there yet you kind of do nothing towards it just commit to doing a little bit every day and before you know it before you know it it's that compounding effect of doing something like do a little bit a little bit and all those little bits combust like they literally become this big (laughs) big thing that you're like whoa did I do this um but it's yeah it's it's the compound effect of just doing a little bit it's those small steps and taking those small, um, the t- taking the small incremental opportunities. And I think, I think especially, you know, in the day of social media, where you have so much access to people's lives, yeah. people yeah. immediately think, oh, X person is doing Y, you know, why am I not doing it? How can I, how come mm-hmm. I'm not in that same position? X, Y, Z. And we don't actually see the very small steps people are taking. Yeah. We don't really see the full story. And so mm-hmm. we end up comparing, you know, our small steps to their giant leaps that they've been taking that were really very small steps in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. 
and our small steps behind the scenes because we're just not, like you said we're not seeing the full picture that's it. you'll never see someone's full picture like even uh, me and my friends speak about this all the time that one of my friends is very private and she's like oh I could never be on social media like how you're on social media like did you tell people so much about your life and this and that and I was like people really don't know that much about me the way you package things and put it out there would let will make people feel like they know a lot but there's so much that they don't know that they don't know because mm, it's curated it's it's carefully curated and you get to choose what part of your story that you share with the world and 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 that's the epitome of like you know personal branding especially in the workplace because mm-hmm. I have this conversation with my friends all the time and I've had this conversation with graduates who've come in and they're like okay you say that I need to have a personal brand what like what am I supposed to be sharing what am I not supposed to be sharing how do I develop it and it's just like your personal brand is really a story and it's a promise of performance. So what exactly do you want to promise? What skills do you have and how exactly are you going to package that skill to sell yourself? Because you're a walking sales pitch. Every time yeah, you walk yeah. into a meeting, every time you show up somewhere, you're a walking sales pitch and you just need to yeah. navigate. OK, what exactly am I selling and how do I want to deliver this sales pitch? We know that in the fashion industry, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. How have you helped shape um, the understanding of the importance of networking within your members? I think if anyone needs to be convinced (laughs) that networking um, is the way to get ahead, then they're probably very detached from the industry and haven't haven't had an opportunity to experience it for themselves um with the I guess maybe through just me I I'm just a very real person with them and I, I make all my obstacles very clear very open book with the girls and I show them how I get things done on very little budgets and call in all these favors based on just who I've managed to connect with and that within itself is the realest way I can give it to them them seeing me, yeah, them seeing me do it every day is is my truth and they can understand it. I mean, you've done some incredible workshops and events. You've had panel guests like Henry Holland. So I know that your networking skills must be like A1. A lot of people may feel like they need to network up someone who's above them, etc. But one thing that I found is that If I know the people that are on the same level as me, we can all win together. And when we rise, I've got some people that I can hang on for some favors. For you, in the fashion industry, how important is that? Eva Chen, who is like the head of fashion at Instagram now, um, she was an editor of a Condé Nast magazine. I can't remember which one, which is completely slipped out of my head. Um, but she was the editor of a magazine. And before that, before that, before that, before that, when she was much younger, she was like an intern at L. And another intern there with her went on to become somewhat influential in fashion. And another one of those interns went on to become the founder of Who, What, Where. Um, and I think there's four or five of them. And they don't meet up very often, but they have their catch-ups. And their mums now and married and some are stay-at-home mums. Um, but they all started at intern level at L. If you do not have that foundational grassroots network, um, the chances are that you're not building thick roots. Like you're not 
because your senior is going to be a mentor, an advisor, but they're not going to be like your confidant. They're not going to be that person that is experiencing what you're currently experiencing or has the same emotions as you and you grow together and that's priceless. A lot of the times we don't look at our careers as marathons. We see them as like these sprints. You know, if I could just connect with that person, if I can just connect with this person and we don't necessarily realize that this is a very long stretch. It's a very long time to go from graduating to retirement. That requires a very deep marathon mindset. You know, it requires strategy. And I always say like your career is a, it's a game of chess, not checkers. So what are some of the mistakes you see young professionals and graduates make when they're trying to enter the industry then? It's actually a conversation I have when I go into universities. I'm like, how old are you guys? Everyone's like 18, 19. I'm like, you do realize by the time you retire, you're going to be about 70. That changes everyone. I mean, everyone's face drops because it's like, what? First of all. I like they can't even comprehend that amount of time and then it's like so wh- why do you want everything now why do you want everything to happen in the first five years of graduating that's not how it goes what you should be committed to is learning and I don't think people think about in my career in the let's say 50 years that I'm going to be working in industry what do I want my legacy to be what do I really want to have mastered what skills do I want to have under my belt? Um, and how do I want my life to feel? Those are not things young people are really thinking about. They're thinking about, I need money. I need to buy a house. I need to go on holidays. And rightfully so, you know, because we have to enjoy it as well whilst we're here and whilst we're young and we've got the energy to. Um, but the kind of deeper, more kind of insightful core questions are skipped over in place of the kind of get rich quick questions or, um, instant gratification questions like okay so how do I get promotion how do I and it's like actually how are you adding value have you thought about that that's the word that's the word that's that value word um and and for me that's like that's such a big thing for me because I feel I feel like a lot of people think that they they deserve a promotion because they've been at, in a position for so long and I always say that you get a promotion, not because you've done your job, but you get a promotion. Exactly. That's what they're paying you for. But the promotion comes when you've exceeded the level that you're currently at, when you start to perform at the level that is above you. That's why you should get promoted. That's the, where the value between where you are and where you're performing is so big. They need to think, okay, we need to reward her for this. And we need you to be the person in that next position you need, yeah, I mean, there's, we could go on about this forever, but one of my, I guess I'd call her a mentor, she said to me, like, you don't, you don't do a job and get promoted, you're promoted into a new role. So it's like, just because you're doing well and you're going above and beyond, it still doesn't really qualify you for a promotion because the level above you is a new job. It's not your job of some added responsibilities. It's it's a whole new level. And are you even ready to learn on that level? Are you ready for responsibilities on that level? Um, and pe- what people tend to forget is, okay, you get a promotion and you get an extra, let's say, 50K. There's a reason why they're giving you that much more money, you know? This yeah, more responsibilities. <laughs> responsibilities is the kind of um, professional work. But guess what? It's more stress. Yeah. And are, yes. you ready, are you ready for that? Like, do you really, because don't get it and complain. 
Because mm. there's a reason why they give you more money. Again, you're more valuable. And when you're more valuable, there's a lot more resting on your shoulders that's on your head. And it will, that weight, that initial weight, you can buckle. You really can buckle. And I think there's something to be said about, I know that this is probably in this day and age blasphemy for me to say, I still believe that there are still opportunities that we should be taking where we're not being compensated for them in the sense that we think. So like money, um, I think there's something to be said about sometimes you should work for free. Um, and I know that especially in this day and age, to say that out loud, you need to know your worth. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't know your worth. But at the same time, again, like you said, when you come in as a graduate or someone who's just very fresh to the industry, you need to prove you need to prove that the reality is at the end of the day, you're willing to work even if you're not truly being compensated in that moment. I believe in paying your dues. What has been your experience in working for free and how valuable do you think that is in our society now and in your industry? Yeah, I even today do a lot of stuff for free because the value in what I am going to... This is what I say to people. So like, say you go into an internship. Um, the reason why a lot of people complain about, oh, they're only paying for my travel. Oh, it's rubbish. Oh, this and that. I said, that's not really a company thing. That's a you problem because you have assessed the role, assessed the company, assessed the team um, and understood what there is to learn and what you can take away from it. It's, it's a two-way thing. It's an exchange. Because you don't know why you're there, you're not getting enough out of it. You have to go in with very strong whys. Very, very, very strong whys. And regardless of what the monetary compensation is, um, what you gain personally can far outweigh what they can pay you, especially because entry-level positions or internship positions pay very low. But if you go in with a clear understanding or maybe take the first few weeks to assess the situation and understand what you want to get out of it, once you then do that and then you establish your whys, the money's not even a factor at this point. And I know that it's annoying for some people to hear that they have real bills to pay, they have rent to pay, travel in London's expensive or wherever it is you may be, but I know London particularly is very expensive. Again, it's the marathon thing that I was speaking about. It's not a sprint. It's not about just getting in and getting some money. It's about thinking about how do I become the most valuable person in this industry that I can be? A lot of that can come from doing work for free. Yeah, absolutely. And... There's this, I think a lot of people always think that compensation is always money. Um, and for me, I'm like the biggest compensation I can get is experience that makes me more valuable, that makes you want to hire me and then give me money. So not only have I got an experience, I've now got money and the coins to back it up. And I think, and I think that's where, especially a lot of young people, cause you know, they come out and I can imagine in the fashion industry, they come out of uni and they probably want to go, okay, I want to be a creative director or I want to be editor in chief, or I want to do all these things. And they kind of miss the breadcrumb moments or the breadcrumb opportunities and internships that they could have had that would eventually lead them to becoming creative directors and all those stuff. That's it. That, you said it perfectly. I have seen such a huge shift in what young people want to do. Um, and when I when I graduated, it was PR and buying and merchandising. 
and styling. Now it's everyone's in creative direction because people want to be paid for their ideas now. They want to be paid for their mind, which is fantastic. I'm just like, okay, you want to be a creative director. That's a senior role. So you want to come out of university with no experience, very little like cultural references and, you know, understanding of the industry and you want a senior position. No, like to be a creative director, you have to kind of pay your dues as possibly a stylist first or as a photographer or as a researcher or as a junior creative. You have to do the foundational work. And um, in doing that, you, you can find experiences anywhere. You can still have a retail job, but be assisting a stylist and understanding more about, I don't know, costume design and this. And there's, there's levels. There's so many layers to it. So when you think, again, if you think about creative direction is my big, is that my big goal? You will do whatever it takes in the beginning to get there, which transcends the money, the this, the that. It's like, actually, I know where I'm heading. And I know what experience I need to get there and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. I would that that's the mindset. That's the mindset that I want people, people to have. Working uh, towards, because there's so much value in realising that we don't need to have it all right now. And I think because we live in such a, you know, we've got fast fashion, we've got like on-demand TV, there are so many things that's telling us, yes, you can have it right now. And of course, we're going to apply that to, our lives, our relationships, you know, our careers, everything, because that's what we're seeing. And, you know, with the the generation, you know, Generation Z, that's all that they have ever lived. I say they, that's all we've ever lived. These are things that I've learned from my mistakes, but I've also learned it from other people's mistakes and having mentors. Like mentorship is so important and it's so underrated, especially among our generation. For you then, how how important is mentorship in the fashion industry and how do you even go about getting a mentor in the industry? I feel like you kind of do have to understand, have that self-awareness and understand roughly where you want your career to go or what you want to learn next. And then you can find a mentor that aligns with that. And if you don't know where you're going, I don't know how you're going to go about finding someone who can help you get there. So firstly, create a peer network, focus on that. Um, once you know where you're going, then seek someone who can help you get there. That's what I would say, first of all. Um, secondly, I would say don't just find someone online and say they're going to mentor me because we wrote an article about this on the website. Asking a complete stranger who you just admire to be your mentor is like seeing someone cute on the train and saying, oh, he looks like a nice boyfriend. And then saying, excuse me, should be my boyfriend? Because <laughs> I like how you look and I feel like we can, you know, we can go far in life together. They don't know you. They're not invested. There's no connection. So don't just pluck anyone who you think is cool and can help you to be your mentor and just ask them because the chances are it probably won't be an effective relationship. They don't know much about you and it should always be an exchange where you can help them and they can help you. So I would say if you can apply for a mentorship program where mentors have actively said, okay, I am committed to the next generation in this way. And I really want to support someone who can learn from my journey and my advice. Uh, we, I run a mentorship program as well, actually. And sometimes we get it right. Most of us have gotten it right. And sometimes we get it wrong. Like it's just not a right connection. And that's with me setting it up. So like knowing what the mentor is good for, knowing what the young person wants, it still can go wrong sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people forget that it's a relationship. 
You know, it's like you said, it's not just about what you can get from them. It's also what you can give to them because these people, you know, they're sacrificing time or energy to help you. What service or what, again, there's the word value can you add to their life? You know, whether it's something simple as being able to help them with, I don't know, tidying up their emails or something like that. We often go into relationships thinking, oh, take, 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 take. And I think especially, you know, young professionals almost sometimes, a lot of the times really forget that mentorship really is an opportunity. It really is a relationship between two people. And for any relationship between two people to work, there needs to be equal amounts of give and take somewhere. Yeah, I would say don't obsess over it. Don't get too hung up on it. It's a, a mentor is a great thing to have, um, but it's not the be all and end all. It's really not. And I don't think a mentor is going to, expect much from you other than dedication to the process someone who is coachable and isn't defensive uh someone who works on advice takes it ponders on it applies it in their own way and it doesn't have to be like um an every two week kind of coffee it doesn't even have to be every two month coffee it can be every quarter twice a year people I really respect and have built somewhat of a relationship with give me their undivided attention for one hour twice a year I really appreciate that and bring real findings and real results to them so don't get hung up if the person doesn't have all the time in the world for you because they're not your parent they're just there they're there to help you explore your existing curiosities which is why when you said, you know, when you said, like, if you haven't really figured out or have an idea of where you want to go, don't go seeking a mentor. Like a mentor is not your coach. It's not your life coach, you know? And I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get a mentor because they're going to help me figure out X, Y and Z. That's not their responsibility, you know? But we both know that drafting a good CV is, it's an art and it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of trial and error. What are some, what are some of the mistakes that you see entry professionals make when it comes to their CVs? That's a lot. Just if you can get it on one page, that's brilliant. Two, not bad, but if you can get it on one, that's great. Just remember to make that file name sensible. That is something little, but I've spoken to employers who are like, oh, it just really frustrates me when I see a messy file name. Um, sending it as a Word doc and not a PDF annoys people because they open it and sometimes they don't have the compatible kind of, like, I don't have Word on my laptop. So when I open someone's Word document, I open some pages and it distorts sometimes. Not powerfully explaining your past experience. That is where... a the two places actually where people go wrong is that personal profile at the top that's supposed to explain, kind of paint the picture of who you are professionally um, and then not powerfully explaining what your past achievements were in your last role. So there's a lot of bullet points saying what your responsibilities were, but they're not highlighting the achievements. And there's always achievements because what were you doing every day? You know, like how are you hitting your targets? So yeah, I would say those are the two things that I really, really want people to kind of zero down on. Format, just the overall look of a CV sometimes that people go overly fancy. A CV that looks beautiful but has no real meat, 
yeah, it's just what, what's the point? People go to town with finding the most beautiful templates, and when you read it, you're like, oh, okay. Are you a graphic designer? Like, and people just not highlighting the right skills as well, which should it's just like you're going for a PR job, you worked in retail. Stop telling me about, I don't know, like if you're going to speak about taking stock, like doing kind of the stock check, speak about writing reports, speak about anal- analysis, speak about um, how you, I don't know, merchandise a shop floor in terms of trends or I don't know, speak about things that are relevant for your next role. Don't just say I cashed up every day. Okay. But what, how, what, what's the transferable skill there? Highlight that. So yeah, there's a lot, but it's, it's on a case by case basis as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to take it back to Pepe, your talk in the junior network. How did you go from building the platform and doing workshops to now being a guest lecturer? Very transparent in the fact that when I started the business, I knew what I knew what people needed. I didn't know how to give it to them. So I knew who I wanted to be in the industry, which is like an alternative careers advisor and just support young people that wanted to go into fashion. I didn't know what the business model was or how to package it. Um, and the most obvious way to do it was to go back to universities and just speak because I'm good at talking. So I was like, okay, just go and have a chat with them. And I started doing it for free, actually. I was just like, can I just come in and speak to your students um, just to speak about my journey and just encourage them? And then from there, I think there was one summer, I was doing it so much. And I was like, not one summer, sorry, you need to close in summer. But it was one year, I went on a full campus tour, loads of universities, did an hour like in each place, like all over the country. Um, and I was just like, this is just not sustainable. Like I'm paying for my trains, I'm driving up, I'm motivating, I'm building an audience, but I'm not making money. Um, so I made a list of all the things that I knew that young people needed to know. So like I created a presentation on, uh, what did I call it? Like interviews. There's one that I, I have specific names that completely skipped out of my head, but just like, Oh, corporate confidence. That's one of them. So I created different lessons based on the things that I know young people needed. And then I went back to those unis and pitched it. And I was like, look, I'm ready to teach now. And these are the areas that I've identified are young people's blind spots. Can I come and make your your students more employable by teaching them these things? Um, and that's just how it started. And then every year it just kind of grows. Add a few more unis, add a few more unis, add a few more lessons. And then I also take, um, like, create bespoke workshops based on what the unis need the students to learn about. So, yeah, it's so fun. I, I love it. I actually love Teaching is very draining, but I really love it. Growing up, you, it's always what are you going to be when you grow up and you make a decision and you kind of have this path, but there isn't really some practical elements to how you get from point A to point B. And this is why Work Thrive is so important to me because I wanted it. I wanted to create a space where I could create and offer practical support and practical advice to women who are cultivating thriving careers and also be able to link and point them in the direction of other organizations that are specific to their industry. Hence my uh, love for the junior network, because it's like, this is amazing because we go into schools and we go into universities and it's okay. You, you study for this opportunity and you study for this job, 
but no one really tells you what the practical steps are to become a master at that job or to a master at that skill. I've learned in my own experience that recovering from a mistake or a perceived failure has and can have very damaging effect on your self-esteem and your confidence to continue. And that was definitely one of the things that I had to learn and navigate from, you know, how to let things go. I made a mistake. Great. Now let me fix it and move forward. What's been a limiting belief that you've had to navigate in your business and ultimately in your career? Uh, I would say, just speaking of current one, I always say, oh, I'm not a businesswoman. I'm not a businesswoman. I'm just like someone who's creative and I've spotted a gap and I just want to help people. And I think I need to stop saying that because all a business does is solve problems. That is something, and it's a current one, and I'm learning to stop saying that and I'm learning to accept that. I'm the way I run my business and my mindset may not be the same as like other people who do it, but that's, again, that's my superpower. I know other businesses that do similar things to me. And a few years ago, I would be like, oh my God, like, this is scary. Like, mate, they're probably going to get ahead. And now I'm just like, Dior, I'm sorry, but I know that when I walk into a room and I do a presentation or I host a panel or there's, there's something magical about what I bring to it, what I bring to that. No one can do that but me. So I may not be the world's best businesswoman. I'm the world's best Dior who runs a business, you know? So, and that's, no one can duplicate that. So that's a, definitely like a self-limiting belief that I'm still overcoming. What I realized at the end of last year is that I hadn't found a way that I enjoyed making money. And it really bothered me. Like I tried so many different things in my business and it was like, that's too draining. No, that's too much. No, that doesn't make enough money. No, that's this. No, that's... That's not what I envisioned for my life. It doesn't feel good. And I felt like I was failing for a long time, but I was like, no, I'm not failing. I just haven't found my business yet. So I have to keep trying things until I find what works for the industry and what works for me. I work in this business. Like I actively get up every day and do the work in this business. And if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to be like providing the most value to my people. So yeah, that's another thing. Just like, my business needs to look how my business looks, not like anyone else's. There's something to be said about overcoming that thought of, oh my God, it's it's oversaturated or other people are now doing it and they're probably going to pass me or they're probably going to do it a different way. And it's realizing that, like you said, you bring a very specific value and a specific uniqueness to what you do and how you do it. And that's why it's so important that you you spend so much time knowing yourself and knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and understanding what your vision and your value is. Because if not, you'll start to measure yourself against everyone and you think, oh yeah, that person's doing it, it's oversaturated, already exists. And you and you won't actually make the leap to do anything, whether that's in business or in your career. Now we're going to go into the fast five round where I'm going to ask you five questions. And if you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind, that okay? Let's do it. Yes. Right. Could you tell us about a software resource or app that's helped with your business or work that you'd recommend? Google Drive. I use the Google Drive absolutely every day. Um, and I write everything on there. I do all my like Excel documents on there because I've had two laptops break in the past. So 
when I store anything on my actual computer, everything's saved in the cloud. Brilliant. What's a personal habit that has helped you in life and in work? Uh, I guess I should do a lot more, but like prayer and just like focusing on God, um, because that says you know, someone bigger than me who is like the author of this whole entire world has my back. And that is the most comforting feeling. So yeah, connecting with God. Amazing. What's a book, podcast or event that's helped you significantly in the past year? Uh, the Alchemist. I love that book so much. I think it's a very easy read. You can do it in like two, three days. Um, and it's not self-help. It's, it's like, I guess it's like a love, kind of like a love book to yourself. Um, in terms of just encouraging you to continuously look for your treasure in life and knowing that your path is um, mistakes that you make, that your path is your path and you're all going to be led to your treasure if you listen to your heart and pay attention to the journey. Love that book. Incredible. What's one lesson you have learned in the past year that's helped with your professional and personal development? That uh, exactly what we were speaking about before, that I am me, that I am very special in terms of like, the talents and skills and passions that I have are handpicked for me. It's not an accident. Nothing that I enjoy or nothing that I'm good at is an accident. It's very much like my superpower um, and that I need to bring that to whatever it is that I do. So there isn't really any competition if you realize that you're one of one and only you can do what you were made to do. Amen to that one. (laughs) (laughs) What's a word of advice then you would share with a woman working to cultivate their own thriving careers? Speak to yourself very kindly every day. Like even if you mess up, even if your to-do list doesn't get done, always, always, always make sure that you are having loving, gentle, kind conversations with yourself, like mentally all the time, Um, especially when things go wrong. Never blame yourself, but speak to yourself in like a kind way so that you're encouraged to do it better tomorrow or, you know, have a little sleep, have a little cry, have a little nap, whatever it may be, have a coffee, go for a walk. Um, but always be like gentle in your personal thoughts to yourself. It's really important. Mm. And before I let you go, where can we find you on social media? So you can find me personally on Instagram at Dior Bediaco and then Pepper, your talk, and then at the Junior Network as well. Hey guys. Thanks for listening to Work Thrive, the podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts as it allows other ambitious women like yourselves to find the show. And if you want to join the community, head over to Instagram and follow us at Work Thrive. Speak soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.